to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. It is our prayer that something is said or done to make your walk through this journey called life a little lighter and brighter. You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He looks forward to walking with you on this journey together to breakthrough, victory, redemption. Pastor Wade is anointed and experienced in multiple areas of life. God uses him to have us look at our challenges in ways we may never have seen before. Now the moment we've all been waiting for, Pastor Wade Scarborough. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. As usual, it is an honor and privilege that you have taken the time out of your life to walk with me on this journey we call life. Listen, listen, you know I say it every time we have a conversation, every time we get together. You could be doing anything. You know, I get it. Like 47 million people are out of work. I get it. You could be reading a book. You could be doing something else. You could be looking for uh, uh, another job or changing your career or, or starting a new business. You could be doing that. You could be listening to other shows. You could be joining their conversation. But you decided to take the time out to walk with me and us have a conversation, and I value that. I really appreciate that. And I just want to send the love to all those that have supported me uh, along with this journey uh, for your feedback everything. I thank you and I appreciate it. And then for those of us joining for the very first time, listen, I want to welcome you. I don't take that for granted either. Listen, you could be doing anything <laughs> right now, but you decided to stop by and have a conversation with me and I really, really appreciate it. Let me let you know what uh, this show is all about. We discuss various topics that the church body does not talk about on a Sunday at a Bible study or uh, shut down from talking about it altogether because of the sensitive nature of the subject. All of us, no matter what you think, feel, or believe, without judgment, will not be made to feel like your feelings or opinion are not valid and we can have a conversation freely here on This is the Day with Pastor Wade. Listen, you know I, I got to do my Marvin Gaye song. What's going on? Come on, there's a lot going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the middle of an election year right now. Listen, we got blacks versus whites, whites versus blacks. We got uh, this culture versus this culture. We got mask, no mask. We, we got division in the church at each other's throat. Uh, we got uh, people getting on preachers and, and pastors and calling them crazy because uh, they still have people that are coming to worship God and want to hear the word. Man, we got division going everywhere. Social injustice, listen, I can name it all. Not against just black people, but just an American in general. Uh, we got uh, people, just a lack of respect uh, for each other right now. Is that an all-time, supremely all-time high right now? Uh, like I said, the church is divided and paralyzed. I'm so upset right now, y'all, with the church right now. I don't know. I'm having a real issue right now. I don't know if you're talking about being a, a pastor on staff, uh, ordained pastor. I love my church and stuff like that. But I don't know if I am even going to go back to church in the state that we're right in, or that we're in right now, because just because of the division, just because of the lack of unity, just because how uh, lines in the sand have been drawn, brother against brother, sister against sister, and this the way that we do church sometimes, just not in one particular church, but in general, I don't even know if I want to even go back. I'm having a real serious issue right now. That's why during this time of isolation and quarantine, I get to examine myself. I get to examine my relationships. I get to examine my relationship with my church. I get to examine a whole lot of things right now. Some things I'm looking at, I don't like. 
what I'm seeing. And I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you won't even say uh, what you're really thinking because your fear of being shunned and talked about. Listen, people have talked about me. They didn't call me anti this, anti that. They didn't say this about me. They, they said, wait, crazy. They said he don't know what he's talking about. Listen, I, I've heard it all. They, some people don't even call me no more. But, but that's okay. It is what it is. But it all comes down to how we treat one another. And how we treat one another, ladies and gentlemen, in this moment is paramount. This is the test. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for, especially those that are disciples of Jesus. This is what we've been waiting for. The time where we can show the world and be that extension of who God is. And we are getting a big fat F. You know that F that you used to get uh, in school? Uh, and, you know, the teacher was so cold-blooded with it, she used to do the F in red. So, like, there was no mistake about it what your grade was in red. And then sometimes she even put the F and then put the circle around it, like, like a bullseye. Right now, if God was giving us a grade right now on how his body is doing, how his people are doing, he definitely would give somewhere between a D minus and an F, if not an F. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that. Listen, I, I, as Paul would say, I speak as a man. But I'm telling you, if I look at the word and take the word in context, how he said how to do it just with two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says these two, all the prophets hang on these two. Everything hangs on these two. If we was just to look at that, just taking that, what God said right there. Jesus said that, matter of fact. It's in red. If we just take that and look at the grade that we would get right now, F minus without question right now. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm in trouble right now, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? I, I really don't care because, listen, if people go talk about me, shun me and, and say I'm crazy, not even listen and want to do their own thing, that is fine. At least I'm going to go tell you the truth and you get to choose. Just like we're supposed to. God said, today I set before you life and death. You choose. It, it seems like in this moment in time, people are getting mad at people because they have freedom of choice. If you don't believe exactly what they believe, oh my God, they're like, you're the devil. You don't know what you're talking about. Dr. Fauci, CDC, and all them. Oh, I'm sorry. I should, that slipped out. If I hear one more person tell me Dr. Fauci this, CDC said that, and CDC is backtracking on every single thing that they said about this quote-unquote COVID, mind you, but nobody wants to talk about that. You see how everything is opening back up. You see how even TV is starting to change the, the, the narrative, but nobody wants to talk about that. And because fear, oh my God, fear is spreading. And because now it is ingrained in people's spirit, they still want to hold on. To that. Oh, don't get me, don't get me started, ladies and gentlemen, because it's affecting how we treat one another. Let's review, because I'm already in trouble. Listen, I think I just need to stop right there because I'm in trouble, but it does not matter. I'm gonna keep going and do my Michael Jackson dancing, dancing, dancing. I'm a dance machine. I'm just gonna keep going, y'all. Y'all know when you come to this is the day with Pastor Wade that you go get the truth. And I love how we do in court, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. My thing is, how many truths are there? <laughs> Why do we have to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help me God. Jesus. So there's a potential for a lie. 
Okay, I'm going to leave that alone too. So, for those joining us for the very first time, if this is your first time, go back and listen to, to, listen to episode 1 uh, through 12, because this is episode 13. You can, you're more than welcome to join this conversation right down the middle, but 1 through 12 will really bless your life. And also, it will... Uh, we cover so many things on how to treat one another because remember, there's 59 one another's uh, in the Bible. There's 59 of them. Like if you're from the old school Baptist church, like matter of fact, some of the first teachings they would used to give you back in the day is uh, they would go through the 59 one another's, how to treat one another, because that is the crux, the context of uh, what Jesus talked about, what God wants us to do, because uh, God even says, how do you love me whom you don't see and you don't even love your brother whom you do see? I mean, I just had a brother that was over my house. Uh, him and his wife came over. Uh, we were watching a game and everything. And listen, uh, he was kind of hurt because uh, some of the relationships that we thought we had, some of the relationships with, with, with some of our guys and stuff like that, they won't even come see us. They won't even come hang out with us, which, it, which is really hurtful to us because we love some of these brothers. And just all around relationships, we're looking at it like, wow, man, this is like really hurtful. But listen, we can't make people wrong for what they want to do in their personal life. Listen, however they run their they household is how they run their household. However they want to be, how they be. My problem is don't make me wrong for what I believe. Don't make me wrong because I actually want to go out and give somebody a hug. Don't make me, uh-oh, uh I'm sorry. Don't, don't make me wrong because I want to connect to another human being. Don't make me wrong for that. That is nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I love all those that get mad. Uh, I got another buddy. They're mad at him talking about because he put on his Facebook. He said uh, uh, social distancing is not uh, of Jesus at all. And he's absolutely correct. There is nothing about Jesus's ministry. If you study it and know it, there is nothing about Jesus's ministry that's social distancing. Social distancing is a worldly thing. Period, point blank, and I hope somebody mad at it. If you do, I want you to say something to me because I know you're not. Because you can find me at Real Pastor Wade. That's W-A-I-D on my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's interesting, nobody will say anything about their opinion. But they're, really to come, they're ready to come down on you if you don't agree with them. That's why I put it out there. I'll tell you, I don't agree with you. No, social distancing is not of Jesus at all. Matter of fact, he went into uh, where the leopards were. Matter of fact, he went in by to the pool of Bethesda. Uh, when you talk about where the blind, lamed, and paralyzed were, where the guy was there for 38 years of infirmities, where he, he healed 10 lepers and then one of them came back. And then he said, wasn't there 10? Where he spit on the ground and healed the blind man, touched him. Because that's where your power, your healing is. But so anybody that wants to say that social distancing is of Jesus, stop it. You know nothing about the Bible whatsoever. Oh, I, for, I forgot. You, oh, let's follow the laws of land. Oh, well, I already killed you with that one. If you knew the law, you wouldn't say that because uh, your First Amendment right to the Constitution is you have the right to assemble. Period. End of story. That is the Constitution. And then the Second Amendment, if you don't know that, just in case the First Amendment don't work, you have the right to bear arms. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, y'all, if y'all just joined us for the very first time, but I'm sorry. There's just some things that are happening right now. I hate when people take uh, Scripture out of context or be cowards and hide behind Scripture to try to use it for their own personal benefit, taking it out of context. I always say, when you tap looking at Scripture... And going to use it, keep it in context. So when somebody takes something uh, out of context, remember the word context. If you take the word text out of context, all you left it was a con. So a lot of people are out there conning people, trying to use scripture. Oh boy. Listen, 
Let's review real quick because I'm so much trouble right now. I'm surprised my phone ain't ringing and buzzing right now, but it's all good in the hood. We, we t- uh, went over how God's uh, called to be Christ-like. We said to be Christ-like, uh, we must have the mind of Christ. This is the vital to our ability to respond to God's call and challenges as his people are here to declare the excellence of his grace. We said the church must come to understand who it is and why it is here and then become united in the purpose of understanding. We also said one of them is meditating on God. We need to meditate on his word. It gives us strength and courage to obey God's call in a nation that has lost its way through. We have definitely lost our way through. Uh, also, Joshua 1.8, especially lost our way through. Uh, I, I made a joke the other day because, you know, people, Psalms 23 is probably one of the most popular scriptures everybody has either seen or heard uh, other than John 3.16. So, you know, everybody wants to say, you know, I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I should fear no evil. Well, right now, they probably, they want to change the scripture now, I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil as long as I wear a mask. Thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. That's that's really what people want to do right now because you can't have it work both ways. If we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because he is with us, then we need to take him at his word. End of story. Next, we also said Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. We also said 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. It's not of the flesh, y'all. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We also said the second thing is meditating on God's word that develops the mind of Christ. Listen, we got to have the mindset of God, y'all. If we're going to talk about how to treat one another, listen, the Bible is very clear. Come let us reason together. That's my big thing right now, y'all. Folks don't even want to reason right now. See, especially like when you talk about Psalms 23 again, when it says, I set up the te- uh, a table in the presence of your enemies, that is the table of reason. That is the table of presence. That is where we're supposed to come. Not only the first enemy at the table is not only yourself, but also the people that surround you. They're supposed to see the difference that now that you have in your life because you walk through the valley and trust God and he helped you and delivered you through the valley as you kept going through. So now you're at the table of presence and the table at the presence of your enemies, and then after they get to see your lifestyle, hopefully we win your brother or sister over because how you treat them, and then guess what he does after that? He anoints your head with the oil. Then your cup runneth over. Then surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, I'm sorry, that's scripture in context. I'll wait. I'm gonna let that sink in for a minute. I'm listening. I'm just a little, you know, I'm just a little bothered by people wanting to use the Bible as this weapon and they're using their weapon wrong. They're misfiring. Oh, we also said when you talk about meditating on God's word develops the mind of Christ. We said first Corinthians two sixteen. for who has known the mind of Christ, uh, mind of the Lord, that he should instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Also, Philippians 2, 5 said, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ. We also talked about uh, the kingdom conflict with Chuck Colson. We said it was, he said, basically, which was one of the uh, quotes of the last um, episode, 
It said it was a bewildering paradox that one-third of all American adults claim to be born again and yet fail to impact our society, which becomes sicker and more corrupt by the day. And then in John Woodridge's book, Renewing the Mind, here you go, in your secular world, uh, George Gallup Jr. is quoted in saying America in 1984 appears to be confronted with a great paradox. Religion is growing and an importance among Americans, but morality is losing ground. My goodness, that's still the truth. And then it also was talking about, uh, are we troubled with this paradox? And it was saying also, uh, most people are not troubled by the paradox. It said most evangelical Christians who make up one-third of the population of this country have not had greater impact on our society. It is because so many within the body have failed to respond to God's call and take on the challenge that God has given us as his people. Many are troubled, but the majority are not. He also said, man, this was huge, y'all. It said through evangelical Christians affirmed that the Bible is an infallible rule for faith and practice. This is what the people say in the body, y'all. They say in the, 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 the Bible is just infallible, but yet don't want to do it yet want to put their uh, spin on it. It also said how many of them want to compartmentalize it, uh, their faith in such a manner that biblical teachings do not affect the way they live on a daily basis. They profess sound evangelical doctrine, but betray those confessions by their deeds. They do not consciously seek each day to live under the direction of biblical ethics. My God. Goodness, I'm only reviewing right now. As believers, it also said, that's why this review is so important, but we're about to go into uh, episode 13, more into this conversation. That's why we're reviewing it. As believers, we are not sheltered from the enticing messages of our society, nor are we immune from the intoxication of relenting, unrelenting activity. We may yield to those pressures far more than we ourselves sometimes recognize. It would be easy for a spirit of worldliness to have entered our very being. Listen, also it says, our minds play an exceedingly large role in our Christian lives. It is our minds that some of our fiercest spiritual warfare takes place. Listen, y'all, a lot of what's going on in the world right now is a battle for your mind. Listen, the, the, the real virus is not COVID. And that, that, that's real. But the real virus, if you want to know, that's spreading faster than COVID, that is killing more people than COVID ever could, that COVID has not killed no more, no more people than any other disease, no more than the flu, AIDS, Ebola, so, hasn't killed no more than any of those people. The real virus that is killing millions and millions of people right now is division and hatred. That is the true virus spreading through all of this right now, and it's running rampant. People not only are being affected by it because you live in the world, but they are being infected. The world right now, the United States of America, black churches, white churches, everybody right now is being infected by hatred and division right now. And the only cure, the only antidote is to love your neighbor as yourself, how you treat one another. That is the antidote to all hatred and division going on right now. My God. God, we also said 
uh, there were some things that, uh, that major problems uh, in Christian. Uh, when you talk about mental health and maturity, we said uh, even though uh, trusting in Christ is all that is needed to obtain eternal life, experience the abundant life, Christ promised in John 10, 10, and experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, rather than bitterness, depression, and anxiety are dependent upon renewing of this mind. We also said renewing of the mind can some uh, came from various sources, such as confrontation by loving friends about personal blind spots, therapy with a Christian, professional counselor, conviction from the Holy from the Holy Spirit, confrontation uh, with scriptural uh, principles in sermons or seminars, and daily meditation on scripture. We also said renewing of the mind is a continual process, a progressive sanctification, requiring continual, preferably daily input from God's word. How often are you reading God's word? Listen, are you watching CNBC, CNN, uh, CBS, ABC, Fox News more than you are reading your word right now? That's a problem because you're going to get more negativity in your spirit. That's the food for your soul that you're eating right now when you watch the news and stuff like that more than you do God's word right now is you're, you're feeding yourself junk food instead of vegetables and true nourishment. Oh, my goodness. I'm so in trouble right now, but I don't care. Listen. Also, we said number four, daily meditation on scripture with personal application is the most effective means of obtaining personal joy, peace, and emotional maturity. Also, we said uh, number five was on the average, it takes about three years of daily scripture meditation to bring about enough change in a person's thought patterns and behavior to produce statistically superior mental health and happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, three years minimum of daily scripture. Matter of fact, when you talk about... Uh, uh, because I've taught leaders and stuff like that. I've been a network marketer, things like that. Listen, they say for anything uh, for you to be a master at takes 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is the equivalent of five years. Here right now it's saying it takes three years of daily scripture meditation to bring about enough change in a person's thought patterns and behavior to produce statistic statistically superior mental health and happiness. And then also when you talk about psychologically, when you want immediate habits changed or something, uh, not for longevity, but you know, you're trying to change a routine. When I say at the end of every conversation, you know, it takes 60 to 90 days, 66 to be exact. That's for something really immediate. But when you're talking about um, having a level to where you can make sure that uh, your thought patterns and behavior produce that superior uh, mental health and happiness, you're gonna have to be in your word daily for at least a minimum of three years straight. A minimum of three years straight. There's people that have been in the news for a 40 years straight and been in the word maybe five minutes. And they wonder why uh, their mental health is off. They wonder why uh, things are not working out correctly because you're listening to more negativity. You're feeding, getting more junk food than you are nourishment. My God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was just the review from last episode. <laughs> so, I know it's felt a little shaky. I know we didn't put our seat and tray tables in the upright position because we are already taking off right now. Listen, that turbulence that you felt, that's God shaking us at the very root. Everything that does not belong on this flight, listen, if you're with your neighbor right now, just look at him and just say, listen, Pastor Wade is cool. He took his medicine, which is his word, and he okay. <laughs> He just giving us the truth right now. And listen, he not trying to convince us of anything because he loves us regardless of what we think, feel, or believe. But all he wants to do is give the truth and then you choose. That's all this about. Let your neighbor know that. 
and look back at them and say, are you ready? Look back at your other neighbor and say, I'm ready, then let's go. Here we go. Now we're going to talk about the personal freedom uh, when you're talking about uh, how to treat one another. We're going to talk about the, uh, what people believe personally and then also what God's viewpoint is. So man's viewpoint and also we're going to look at God's viewpoint about it. Uh, we live in a society committed to self-love. You know, everything is about self-love coexist uh, right now or tolerance. And to each one doing his own thing, pursuing his or her own happiness, comfort, and peace. This commitment to self Self, of course, is destructive to society, to the family, and any human relationship. Such a course is the product of Satan's influence and delusions and is directly opposed to the direction and the injunctions, which are the commands of Scripture for the life of the Christian. The mandate, oh my God, on the body of Christ is love for God and love for one's neighbor. The pursuit and promotion of the kingdom of God, doing not our own thing, but denial of the self-life. You know that YOLO y'all keep talking about. You only live once. That we might be free to live for God and others. Here we go. We find in the New Testament, oh my God, I feel, I sent, man, I'm going in deep waters today. I'm so much trouble right now, I, but you listen, it feels good because I'm free. Uh, we find in the New Testament that we can call the doctrine, call on the doctrine of one another. Over and over again, you'll see in the New Testament, we find these injunctions, which are commands, and statements concerning our responsibilities to one another. The point being, God has called us to be a ministering people following the example Following the example, following the example of our Lord. Follow those that want to quote scripture. Yeah, Jesus said follow the laws of the land, but we're supposed to follow his example. <laughs> yeah, he did say render under Caesar what is Caesar's. But I find it interesting. He always went out his way to whatever the Pharisees and then the scribes, as far as what they interpreted of the law, what it should be, he always went out his way to blatantly do the exact opposite. It was not about doing what the scribes and Pharisees, as far as what the legalistic way was. What his mission was, was to show them that it's not about legalistic in the kingdom of God. It was, it was really about how you treat one another. They was getting mad because Jesus was healing. <laughs> Healing on the quote-unquote Sabbath day. So you're not supposed to do any work. So he would blatantly make sure was, if someone went down, he was on the scene to heal somebody or do the exact opposite. Because there's a difference between doing that right thing. You know, the right thing would do be to follow the law. But then there's a godly thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Some people don't know that. There's, sometimes there is a difference between doing the right thing. Sometimes you may do something that man tells you to do or there's laws that you're supposed to follow, but sometimes it may not be the godly thing. And so therefore, it, may, it was the right thing based on the law not to heal anybody on the Sabbath. Okay, great. But Jesus says, well, wait a minute. I came to fulfill the law. So therefore, there's no law that you should make that says you, you're not supposed to treat your neighbor, heal your neighbor, or anything that is godly, that prevents you from doing godly things on the Sabbath day. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. But healing somebody or treating somebody as you want to be treated, as God says you're supposed to do it, there is no law against that. That was his point. There's no law against that. And right now, uh, especially the church, is hiding behind that. Oh, well, the law says... Well, the government says, 
Well, Dr. Fauci says, well, and then want to get on. Listen, I keep telling y'all about John MacArthur. Listen, I don't agree with everything John MacArthur says, but I do agree with this. And look, I've had battles, people trying to tell me how John MacArthur's crazy. He's a nut. He shouldn't even be doing what he's doing. But how y'all going, this is Christians folks now. How y'all going to get mad at a pastor that all he was doing, quote unquote, was following the law. And then all he did, he was filming online doing like everybody else he was not telling people to come and gather all he was doing was filming next thing you know people got wind of he was filming and what time he was filming so what they did is they went and started uh to watch him film next thing you know he's at 3,000 capacity as far as people come to see him without him asking then he goes wait a minute if i'm ambassador of the kingdom of god and this is what i'm supposed to do then I can't turn these people away. But he says, also, what I'll do is I'll set up a, a, a separate place for those that want to social distance and practice with masks and all that kind of stuff so nobody feels left out. But people saying, well, he's supposed to listen to what the governor say. No, he's supposed to listen to what God says. Oh, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts somebody. And then here's the thing. He had a direct contact in the White House. The White House says, well, we're, we're backing them up. And I know whatever your political views are, you may not, who's, who may not like who's in the White House right now. And I'm not really a big fan of 45 either. But one thing is true. They told him, well, you know the law of the land. <laughs> Uh-oh. So then him knowing the law of the land, at the same time doing what God said, he gathered. And now people want to make him wrong for it. People want to call him crazy. People want to call him a nut. And then we got some preachers out there and bishops and all that kind of stuff want to say, well, we need to think for the people. No, you don't need to think for the people. Choose ye this day. Today I set before you life and death. You choose. We don't have a right as any pastors, preachers, whatever, to make the decision for people. Our job is all we are, paper boys. Extra, extra, read all about it. All we do is, is talk about the good news, minister to people, and let our lifestyle show people and be an extension of God's hand. We are not supposed to think for people. People need to do that for themselves. And now we want to take people's choice. And well, we're going to do it for them. They don't know no better. But here's a guy, y'all want to call him a nut. Because he's actually really doing the word and doing something that you're afraid to do. Oh my goodness, let me keep going. I am so in trouble right now, but I don't care because I wish somebody would call me, but they're not. I wish somebody would challenge me, but they won't. Why? Because they want to sit there and hide behind scripture. Well, he just don't know what he's talking about. I may not. All I do know is what God said for real. I know what he said, so I get to choose on what he said. I get to choose what I really believe. In context, oh boy, we also said Galatians 5 is one of the key passages in scripture dealing with the spirit-filled life or walking by means of the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. It is important to understand that Paul's argument centers around the believer's freedom. Not Note the following, y'all. One, they have been prisoners of sin. That's what Paul is saying. You know, because of the fall of man... 
Adam and Eve, listen, we all been a slave or a prisoner of sin in one way, shape, or form. That's why we needed Jesus. God had to send Jesus. Uh, uh, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He came to free us. Uh, he died on the cross for us. Uh, he rose again. Uh, he also ascended into heaven. But his three and a half years of ministry was training and teaching uh, those 12 disciples. And also uh, he trained and did more. Uh, and then after he left, it now has spread. And now we are here today because of what Jesus and 12 men did. So what happens is we were a prisoner to sin. And here come Paul after, you know, Judas has died, stuff like that. They needed another uh, disciple. So then now uh, Paul has his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And therefore he is now uh, made uh, uh, the 13th apostle, basically. And so then now Paul writes two thirds of the New Testament. Uh, and then Paul is always talking about how to be, a, how he's a prisoner, how he's a bond servant, how he's a slave. But, you know, especially black folks, you know, we get sensitive about the word slave and stuff like that because we know we get thrown back to 400 years, all that kind of stuff, and which is our valid points. But when he talks about slave, a bond servant, he's talking about uh, this slavery and this being a bond servant is different from that oppressed slavery. And I'm going to explain uh, because it all ties into how we treat one another. He also says uh, that and the law had not been to liberate them. The law had been merely to temporary cust uh, be the custodian to care for Israel until Christ when man could be free from sin and justified by faith. Then he also said before Christ, man was like a small child under this tutor or guardian, uh, and no different from a slave and so in bondage under the legal practice of the law and Judaism. Also, but with the coming of Christ, uh, they were set free. We were made adopted sons with the Holy Spirit's indwelling, which is also proof of sonship. Also, however, because of false and legalistic teachers, watch this, some were trying to go to back to the works of the law as a mean of spirituality. There is that, ladies and gentlemen, there is so much of that going on uh, right now. The, the false and legalistic teachers right now. Everybody want to go back to the law. There's so much pharisaical things going on right now, the Pharisees. And these are the people that are in the church, I hate to say. They, they don't realize, some of them don't realize they're being Pharisees at all. They just want to point fingers. They, they want to judge other men and women of God that actually want to continue doing the word just because you choose not to at this time or choose a way to do it your way. Let them be. Matter of fact, why don't you find out how you can support them? Maybe it'll bless your ministry at the same time because we're all part of the same body. But right now, we, the nose want to do something different than the finger. The finger want to do something different than the toe. The brain is saying, you need to do this. Then the heart's going, no, nah, man, we need to do this. Then got issues coming out of it. Listen, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on right now. Can't nobody, there is no voice right now when you talk about it in the ministry. And it shouldn't be a man voice anyway. There shouldn't be a man or woman that's one voice in the body. It should be God's voice. But you know what? Our, there's interference right now in reception. Listen, our prayers are, are interfered right now. What? Because of our hearts. Our hearts are growing cold right now because of legalistic, because of fear. It's moved from now from being afraid to fear, which there's a big difference. When you're afraid, that's when Jesus goes, look, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid because he knows you're afraid. But when you have when you fear, you know, when it talks about, well, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Well, he didn't. Well, when you talk about the spirit of fear, that's why it's different from being afraid. The spirit of fear is where fear has now governed you. Now it controls your thoughts and your actions and what you do, what you say, how you say it. 
We are at that point right now where even is now crept in the body, in the body of Christ, is crept in the church right now. Fear is running rampant right now and interfering with the prayers. Our transmission to God is being interfered with. Our hearts are not even right. God is looking at us like, well, you ain't even working it out with your brother right now. How could you possibly pray to me right now? Like, work that out with your brother. He's already given it to us. We want to continue to pray for the same thing. God is looking at you. Listen, work it out. Y'all need to reason together with this. Look at my word, which is the referee. It's supposed to be infallible. What did I say about it? Do it. And we won't even do that. We want to argue. We want to make people wrong that want to continue to do the work. We want to keep looking at the lose and, and look at Dr. Fauci and CDC and all that kind of stuff. We want to be like, oh, Black Lives Matter. Well, don't get me started on Black Lives Matter and where it started from and what's the real meaning behind Black Lives Matter. Don't get me started on that <laughs> at all. I dare somebody to challenge me on that, too. <laughs> Let's keep going. It also says, again, I got to read this again. However, because of false and legalistic teachers, some were trying to go back to the works of the law as a means of spirituality. They were becoming entangled again as slaves under the law. Also, we said five. We said, note Paul's declaration and injunction in Romans 5, 1 through 12. Here, the apostle deals with the believer's freedom and warns us against entanglements with the law or any kind of human works system by which one attempts to be justified from sin, penalty or, sanctif uh, or be a sanctified, delivered from sin's power. The Christian is one who is justified, saved by faith in the, pers in the person and work of Jesus the Christ. He is also one who is sanctified, transformed in his spiritual character. Through his position in Jesus and by faith in the spirit who indwells in him or her. Understand this, the believer in Jesus is a freed man or woman. What does that mean? He should that or she should affect our lives. Biblical truth is never irrelevant to how we live our lives. Let's look at man's or woman's viewpoint of freedom. This is going to mess y'all up, y'all, because it messed me up. Understand this, Paul is concerned when you talk about how you treat one another. Paul is concerned about the wrong influence of man's perspective about freedom to the world. Those operating without the divine absolutes of scripture. Freedom means to be and do as you please, how you please, when you please, and where you please. Uh-oh, don't somebody about to get mad at me. This is man's viewpoint of freedom. It means also doing your own thing. Come on now. Somebody's like, yeah, it is. I, okay. It's about being your boss. How many boss hogs out there? Listen, we got the women wearing shirts. Nigga, I'm a boss lady now. Woo, Jesus. Here we go. Nigga, everybody want to boss hog it right now. Okay. It also says looking after uh, one first. Uh, the Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary says it means exception uh, exemption, I'm sorry, from necessity and choice and action. It is the right to any choice so long as it is your own personal choice. But the Bible teaches, here we go. Don't get mad at me. All you boss hogs out there want to do it your way, YOLO. Hey, listen, this is my right. I can do it like that. Okay. I'm just only putting it out there. The Bible teaches as well as simple observation of life, that such a definition or viewpoint is not freedom. <laughs> it 
Yes, for all you boss hogs out there. It is instead a license and an excuse to throw off the moral restraints of God in pursuit of selfish goals. You can find that in Romans 1.18 uh, and also John 3.19-21. This always results eventually in the exploitation of others, moral degeneracy and lawlessness as becoming more and more evident in our quote unquote, do your own thing society. Listen, don't get mad at me, y'all. Don't get mad at me. Everybody want to do, you know, their viewpoint of freedom. I want to do my own thing. Listen, I'm a boss. Uh, I got to do what I please, when I please, how I please, where I please. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. It says it, we try to use it a license excuse to throw off moral restraints of God in pursuit of selfish goals. And this always results eventually in the exploitation of others, moral degeneracy and lawlessness as is becoming more and more evident in our do the own thing society. The kind of freedom or license as it really is, is also slavery or bondage. Second Peter 2, 17 through 19 says, these are springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out uh, arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption for by what a man is overcome by this he is enslaved listen y'all i didn't write it you can go look that up for yourself if you think you're able to do what you want when you want how you want and and how you treat your neighbor how to love one another that is not the way to do it it's not biblical at all because there has to be some boundaries there has to be something that keeps you in check because uh, what happens is if we do it God's way, then there's no way that um, if, even if our brother wrongs us or don't uh, listen to us or anything like that, what happens is we have something that keeps us in check to where we don't hold it against them or we don't make them wrong for how they uh, feel, think or believe. And so that's why uh, there's freedom in doing it God's way. But most men and women don't view it that way. And I'm, I'm talking about even in the church. Let's talk about God's viewpoint of freedom. Let's talk about negatively first, what freedom is not. Let's talk about that. How about that? And listen, if you got a problem with me or listen, show me some love, whatever, whatever you want to say, I'm a reasonable man. Come let us reason together, but be respectful because I'm going to be respectful uh, with you. You can always find me at Real Pastor Wade. W-A-I-D is the way my name is spelled. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter if you have any comments, questions, issues, concerns. If you want to just uh, talk about something, we can do that, but be respectful. I'm not going to make you wrong for your position. Don't try to sit up there and try to make me wrong for my position. Now, if you have a legitimate argument, maybe something I said, maybe rubbed you wrong way, or, or, or maybe you didn't understand something I said, or, or if we need to come and reason together as brothers or sisters, then let's go ahead and do that. But this is not something to be confrontational and be argumentative. We have that enough in the world already. My goal is to bring us, be that, help be that bridge to bring us all together in some way, shape, or form. You know, we put more credence in athletes and entertainers right now, and they, have, they know nothing about the word, a lot of them, or they've been in church and maybe breezed by Genesis or Revelation, but really don't know nothing about the word or how to apply it. 
uh, or you're talking about especially entertainers, actors, things like that, they want to also be political, know nothing about politics whatsoever. You know, they talk about vote. But if you ask them exactly uh, how our voting process works, they couldn't tell you at all. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't even tell you who the electoral college is. And that is the real people that, through your popular vote, those are the people you tell, well, this is the way we want to go. And they still have a right to choose which way they want to go. Kind of like when uh, Hillary won the popular vote and 45 ends up getting the, uh, the electoral college vote. Plain and simple right there. But they can't even tell you that. This is the thing is we're listening to people that won't even do the study of research just because they're popular or they're entertainers or they have money, they're influential, stuff like that. We're not even looking at how they're influencing us. What are they really teaching us? We don't even look at that. And all we got to do is really look at God's word. Oh, man, I'm so in trouble. I'm so in trouble, y'all. Oh, somebody still love me. But you know who does still love me? God still loves me. And thank you, God. I appreciate you, God, for loving me. Uh, I appreciate God that that uh, even through all my shortcomings, listen, because Pastor Wade is not always right at all. Listen, I admit when I'm wrong, but also I'm fair in any uh, argument I present. I'm fair in anything. That's why a lot of people want to talk to me. They can't, um, they want me to counsel them or uh, if they have a disagreement, they want me in the middle of it because I let God be like, I'm like Solomon when it comes to God. Like, listen, God, give me the understanding to govern your people. So however you want me to do this, however, let me see it the way you see it, because God is fair. He's righteous and just. So therefore, I try to do it exactly the same way. Now, do I fall short sometimes? Absolutely. Without question. Without question. But I try to do my best to make sure I be fair. That's why when I counsel couples, listen, no matter who has the infraction, no matter uh, who's right or wrong, who's the, who, it doesn't matter. I always tell everybody I'm on both your sides. Why? Because God is on both your sides. That's how I start every counseling session, without question. You got to let people know that you're on both their sides. And this is the thing right now. We all can find a way to come together in this moment. We just got to be on both our sides. Listen, I got to be about what concerns you just like you got to be about what concerns me. Listen, we won't need a, a quote-unquote Black Lives Matter if uh, the uh, races that are oppressing or the culture that's oppressing uh, black people, not all of them, but some of them, that's oppressing this culture, then therefore, if they understand where we're coming from, we understand where they're coming from. Listen and find out how we can be mutually benefit or appreciate the mutual benefits that we bring to each other. Listen, that all falls into how we treat one another at the end of the day. But are we willing to really do the work or do we just want to protest? Oh, we just want to sit on the sideline uh, and just uh, point fingers at one another, talk about one another, another, stab each other in the back against one another. Is that what we want to do? You know, we got more people that are going to get COVID tests and then got the nerve to get on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Twitter, whatever, and say, I tested positive like it's some um, a badge of honor. Like, first of all, whatever you and your doctor uh, said, whatever your doctor said to you, I don't need to know it. That's your business. And why would you say any, to anything to anybody? Do you have any symptoms? Most people that say I'm positive don't even have any symptoms. But they said, I test positive. Ooh, pray for me. Oh, God, stop it. Stop it. You just want attention. Listen, if something's really wrong with you, let us know so we can pray for you. But don't be just going to get tested and stuff like that or doing foolish stuff so you can just get attention. And then what happens is somebody don't agree with you. What happens is now it causes dissension because now people are up in arms. Now you're causing a debate and all that kind of stuff. 
people don't even think about why they say what they say anymore. They just want to say it because a lot of people use their uh, quote unquote platform or when they talk about Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, things like that. Well, I can say what I want. It's my own platform. Well, that's all they want to do is just say what they want. And here we're talking about how everybody, a uh, man's viewpoint of freedom is do what they want, say what they want, how they want, when they want. And we're exactly in that era. Social media actually uh, lends a hand to that. But that's not how God views it. Let's see how God views it. Paul is concerned that we have God's perspective. The viewpoint of scripture regarding true freedom. Christian freedom is never the freedom to sin or do as you please. Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom. Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. See, 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 somebody go get upset with me. I didn't even write that. That was Paul to the Galatians. It said, for you were called to freedom. So all of us were called to freedom. Brethren, we are all brethren. I know some people want to just break it down to, oh, uh, well, we're talking about brethren of, uh, of those that are in the body of Christ. Well, let me illuminate a little bit. Let's make that a little bit bigger. Yeah, in one respect, brethren, those that, be, that believe the same thing as when you're talking about uh, uh, who God is, uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay, I'll give you that. But also, let's look at it, brethren, in another perspective, too. Uh, you heard me say it before. We're all brethren. And the reason why I say that is because every one person, that no matter what culture you're from, that's born of a woman in this world, is a spirit, they have a soul, and they live in a body. Period. So in that common respect right there, we're all brethren. Period. I'm just giving you another way to look at it. You can receive it or not. But that is, when you talk about brethren, we are brethren in that respect. We all have the same blood. <laughs> the same organs, which is interesting. Except for a couple of differences between men and women, of course. But when you talk about the major ones, we all have the same ones. When you talk about brains, lungs, stomach, intestine, large intestine, small intestine, bladder, uh, kidneys. Listen, 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 listen. It's the respiratory system, circulatory system, uh, nervous system. I mean, listen, the, 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 the build, the commonalities are so vital, so many. So when you talk about brethren, there's a lot of things that we already share before we even get to the word of God. I'm just saying the Galatians, like many today, tended to go in uh, in one of two extremes. Some were reverting to the law as a means of spirituality or righteousness. This only served to bring them back under bondage to both the power of the flesh and indwelling sin within and without. Thus, to these, Paul wrote in Romans 5, 2 through 3, such a position always nullifies the deliverance that is ours in Jesus the Christ because it places our faith in the wrong object, self and the law. This is what it means to fall from grace, to fall from God's grace provision against the flesh. It doesn't mean that they have lost their salvation. It means that they have forfeited, oh my goodness, deliverance by the power of Jesus. Here, listen to this, y'all. Watch this. Legalism will produce some service. And we got a lot of legalistic people right now. It's going to produce some service. Listen, there's some qualities in being legalistic. Listen, without question. But it will be a joyless service and a service stemming from generally neurotic 
and self-promoting motives to meet selfish needs. That's what happens when we're legalistic, y'all. It's only promoting our selfish needs. That's why everybody wants to be legalistic in this moment. When you talk about mass, no mass, when you talk about COVID, stuff like that, that's why there's so many division right now, because selfish needs are involved. You know, uh, listen, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. But if I choose not to wear a mask, don't get mad at me. And let's not make it to where just because you want to be legalistic, because you want to listen to Dr. Fauci, CDC, because you want to listen to all of that, that's fine. You can do that. And that is your right. But what happens is people are doing it as far as selfish needs because it's self-preservation. Because at the end of the day, people want to, because they think or going through a psychosomatic experience and thinking there's something really out there worse than what is already out there, what happens is now they're conjured up in their mind, well, you got to do this. You know what? You got you, you to gotta save, help save life. That's a funny one that I see on, yeah, wearing a mask saves life. No, it doesn't. I have never seen a mask save a life ever, <laughs> ever, <laughs> never, ever have I seen a mask save your life. And anything. Matter of fact, a mask has always been mad. That's why when uh, the guy uh, trying to rob you always put a mask on. He always get caught, end up getting shot in the movie. Mask ain't never saved a life. But some people think it's true. And that's okay if they think that. But it's really from selfish needs because it's self-preservation. And listen, if you want to do that and be legalistic, that's okay. There are other people that choose not to be legalistic. There are other people that just want to ex really exercise their faith. Now, listen, there are some things that like when you go to grocery store, stuff like that, you're going to have to do that because really what the mask is really doing. And this is free. The, what the mask is really doing is preparing you for the end times, because when you look at all the businesses right now, it says no mask, no service. Right. Well, all you got to do is take the word mask and put the word mark in there. And so really it's no mark. No mask. And the Bible talks about you won't be able to buy or sell in those times, in the end times, because you don't have the mark of the beast. So you can be able to buy and sell. Well, the mask is only preparing you for that. It is a placebo pill. But guess what? That's my belief. <laughs> so I'm not making you believe anything. I'm just having you look at it a different way, maybe. But Paul is talking about here the legalistic how people are in legalism will produce some service, but it will be a joyless service and a service stemming from generally neurotic, self-promoting motives to meet selfish needs. Don't get mad at me. Others hearing about their freedom in Jesus thought they could now do as they please. But such a philosophy always results in non-loving, oh boy, selfish, Exploitation that ignores the needs of others and acts in ways that are harmful to the body of Christ and God's purpose for the church. So to these apostles wrote Galatians 5, 13 and 14. The word serve, quote unquote, is the Greek word uh, doulave. Woo, not too bad. That is spelled D-O-U-L-E-U-E-T-E. -E is a present active imperative of dulio, D-O-U-L-E-U-O, which, quote-unquote, is to perform the duties of a slave or a servant. It is important for us to note that the most of the one another injunctions in one way or another demonstrate the heart of a servant. The word, quote-unquote, opportunity, is a Greek word called aphormi, which is A-P-H-O-R-M-E which originally meant a starting point or a base of operations, 
than an opportunity, an occasion, incentive, or a pretext, or an excuse. Understand this principle. Our liberty in Jesus and the abundant grace that is ours to him must never be used, oh my goodness, as an excuse to do as we please and in the process hurt others or ignore our calling and obligations of God and men. Listen to me now, God. I got to say that again. Our liberty in Christ and the abundant grace that is ours in him must never be used as an excuse to do as we please and in the process hurt others or ignore our calling and obligations to God and men and women. Freedom in Christ never means freedom from the presence and the struggle with the flesh or indwelling of sin. It means the provision of the spirit as God means a victory. So our salvation and freedom in Christ is never to be considered as freedom from servanthood or from service and loving responsibilities to others. Here lies a great paradox. Watch this. It is interesting that Paul, having warned these Christians against becoming slaves again to the law and the flesh, now urges them to become servants, slaves to one another, which includes, of course, being bond slaves to God. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 or uh, Romans 12, 1. This paradox, listen, y'all, this ain't me. I'm just trying to give it to you. You choose. This paradox is tremendously instructive. Look at this. Slavery to one another and to God is nothing at all like slavery to the flesh or to the law. Slavery to flesh and the law result in death, misery, and frustration. It causes us to be consumed, torn apart by one another. Now, on the other hand, slavery to God and one another results in true freedom and maximum blessing. Slavery to sin is involuntary and never neutral. It is degenerative, degenerative, back that up. It is degenerative and destructive both to self and to others. Slavery to the law is voluntary. It is man choosing to save himself. As such, it is foolish, burdensome, but also completely helpless to change our lives from the inside where it really counts. Slavery to God and to one another is voluntary, but it is a product of love and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus, it becomes a source of glory to God, joy, peace, and blessings to self and to others. Ladies and gentlemen, what is true freedom? Freedom is not the right to do as one pleases, but the power and the capacity both to will and to do as one ought. True freedom is never freedom from responsibility, but responsibility not only for choice, but right choices. Freedom is an inner contentment with who we are in Christ and with what we have. It means to convey only heavenly treasure. It means the willingness and the ability to allow God to be in control of your life. It means single-mindedness, which turns the control of one's life over to Christ, which in turn frees us psychologically and volitionally to follow the Lord. It means the liberty for self-responsibility to both God and men under the grace of God. A train, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me on this. 
a train is a good illustration because it is only effective when it's on the tracks for which it was designed. Tracks don't inhibit a train, but enable it to run freely as long as it's running under the power or of the steam or the fuel of its engine. Listen, y'all. We have the freedom, if we do it God's way, to go and do exactly what we please with boundaries. Just like with the train. See, the train can go, come and go as it pleases, but it is now slave or is in the confines of the tracks. It cannot go off the tracks because if it go off the tracks, that's what they call derailment. That's when accidents happen. That's when people get hurt. Oh my goodness, they don't like me now. But let's understand that freedom is particularly concerned with human relationships, which flow from right relationship with God through faith in Jesus, the Christ, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a key point throughout the fifth chapter of Galatians. Five times, apostle uses one another in relation to our freedom. Once in verse 12, twice in verse 15, and twice in verse 26. Central to each reference is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a vital and key point in our study. No matter what kind mankind tries to do to improve the world, society, society eventually deteriorates. Why? Because man is enslaved to sin. Man is primarily sinful and selfish. Rather than truly desiring to serve others, he basically desires to serve himself, to meet his own felt needs, and as a result, he ends up exploiting others, as Paul warns us in Galatians 5, 15 and 26. This is evident in our social programs. Programs fail to work effectively because man is unable to work them effectively. Paul knew that if we were going to be able to serve one another in love, we would need strength from a source other than ourselves. And we need to deal with the inner man honestly through confession and the power of the indwelling spirit of God. Mark 8, 33 through 35 says, shows that true freedom flows out of total commitment to Jesus the Christ in losing our lives in devotion to him and his purposes and in turning control of our lives over to him. We find true freedom, the freedom to be what we are, were designed to be and thus experience true joy. Using our freedom to indulge ourselves never satisfies the inner core longings of the heart. Instead, it destroys the soul's capacity to relate to others and leads either to the neglect of others or their exploitation. Thus, we are to voluntarily, out of love, serve one another as bond slaves of the Lord. Being a servant of Christ involves us in service to others because being in Christ, we are part of his body and members of one another. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> woo, Jesus. I hope you enjoyed our time together as much as I did. Thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of How to Treat One Another. I thank you for all for your support and love and responses. Listen, even if you don't like me, if you like me, don't like me, hate me, whatever, I love you all. I appreciate it. I'm not here to make you agree with me. I'm just trying to give you a different perspective and, and you get to choose. New episodes were released every Thursday on iTunes and Spotify at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please remember to subscribe and don't just listen to these episodes just one. Get them ingrained in your spirit. Remember, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Also, for anything to become a habit, psychologically takes 60 to 90 days, 66 to be exact. Remember in all thy getting, 
get understanding and then practice implementing what you have heard or learned. Applying how we treat one another is the only way we can turn it around for the good. A special thanks, you know it, to my man KC at IM Music Group, Kevin Clayton for producing this show, Erica Duff who does an amazing job on the artwork. Also, she does uh, these little things uh, for me as well when I'm able to put it on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter uh, to uh, sound bites uh, from the episodes which have been really amazing. Erica Duff, thank you for that. Thank you for Kev for uh, uh, and you and her thinking of that. Also, the Flow Therapy Morning Show with Coco B and Frank Nitty on the Uncommon Gospel Radio Network. Alex Teamer, a.k.a. 18 for the baseline. Pastor Warren Campbell, that's my pastor, that's my dude right there. Love him. And Lena Bird-Miles, which, who also did the This Is The Day intro. And Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell, that's my first lady, love her. Uh, special shout out to all the California Worship Center family in North Hollywood. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day or whatever podcast platform you use. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Real Pastor Wade. Wade is spelled W-A-I-D. Remember to post any subject titles you would like discussed on This Is The Day Facebook page or feedback on my Facebook, Instagram stories, uh, and Twitter. Uh, what you thought or about the conversation. Also, remember, God believes in you and so do I. Till next time, this is the day. This is always the day for breakthrough, victory, redemption. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day with Pastor Wade on any podcast platform that you use. You can interact with Pastor Wade with questions, comments, or subject titles you would like discussed. You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade, that is Real Pastor W-A-I-D, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.